you finish with Courtney and Amy. What up? What up? What up? What up? What up? <laughs> it's been a week, girl. So uh <laughs> been a week. It's been a week. A whole only- a whole seven days. Right. A whole and- seven days of a week. So it is Wednesday and uh yesterday was oh. it yesterday or was it the day before yesterday? The date was it Monday? Oh Monday. Monday. You're talking about when Facebook and Instagram went down. <laughs> so, AKA, AKA when we lived through the 90s again and right. it was not bad. It's so funny because, um, you know, the 60 Minutes piece, I'm, I'm sure you guys are aware by now, the 60 Minutes piece ran on Sunday night with the Facebook whistleblower. Who's testifying before Congress now. Uh-huh. And then suddenly today, on Monday. Monday. I was going to upload something to our I'm going to let you finish page on Facebook. Please follow us. And the page was gone. And I was like, oh, it's down. Then I went to upgrade our I'm going to let you finish NY IG page. And that was stuck and not working. So then I went to our finish on my Twitter. That was working. And I saw that it was down. And I was like, okay, cool. But evidently, if you were born in a certain age, you were losing your fucking mind because all of a sudden... Not me. Not well. I said if you're born in a certain age. Oh, okay. Age, so not us. In other not words, us. <laughs> everybody I know in our age group was like, "Oh yes, yeah, down." Or like it was. I have to say because you know we'll handle this and then we'll talk about the overarching issue, which is more important than somebody that the squirrel forgot to run in the wheel to turn right. the electricity on. There. It, I mean, Facebook is, has become a necessary evil. It's one of those things where it's like, who the fuck needs this? And then you suddenly find yourself that you need it all the time, right. like everything else. Right. And I at first was like, oh, it must be sh- my shitty connection. The right. second part of me was like, oh, my God, I hope Courtney's not mad that I'm not posting anything. And then the third <laughs> part was like, yay, because I checked the thing like a nervous twitch. Right. And I was like, Okay, it's down. Life goes on. And you start going, you know, I only really post like stuff for uh, for us or I like or dislike stuff. I don't post anything anymore. But it it, it was like, wow. Okay, you suddenly had this moment where you're like, maybe it's really not that important that I post uh, something that anybody in their right mind can read if they're really interested anyway. And life goes on. Right. The biggest drag, I think, that was WhatsApp going down because that's an actual means of communication. I mean, yeah, but you know what it let me see because all and I didn't know. I didn't know they owned WhatsApp. Well, but that, well, I remember when they bought WhatsApp and I was really upset when they bought up WhatsApp because I was <laughs> like, you know, Facebook has really shady practices and WhatsApp is supposed to be encrypted. And I'm like, who trusts them? So I kind of moved over to Signal. OK, for, for we'll, have encrypted, to, we'll have to talk for, yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Because what I what I what I what it brought to the forefront for me was the idea of monopolies now. Yeah. How these singular companies are just buying up everything right. and you see how there's a glitch in one and it takes down a whole network you know and, you and repu- it's well you can thank your friends the republicans for that so it's like you're- amazon getting to buy up everything and now they're buying the movie studios and you see you know the unions are about to go on strike you know they're trying to fight for fair compensation and stuff with these tech companies coming in first right. of all, everybody knows that i've known about 20 people that have worked at amazon not one of them stayed Amazon supposedly is a horrible place to work. You know what I mean? So when you think about that and these companies get to just buy up everything and then Republicans. Yeah. And then there's a glitch and everything goes down. I mean, I watched everybody freaking out. I was like, well, you know, your phone still works. So like you need to reach somebody, call them. Yeah. It's like, but but I I think it's a novel concept. There's a a concept. (laughs) Call them. Right. Um, you know, I mean, the bigger issue, the little glitch aside, I mean, you know, life goes on, you know, is, is look, Facebook, all you had to do is watch the social network to know that Mark Zuckerberg is a dick. Okay. And I think a lot of us, or I'll say me, we, we had used to have this assumption that because you were doing something that's vaguely creative and vaguely intelligent, 
that your your politics were going to be good. I don't know what Mark Zuckerberg's politics. I do know that he is pro charter school and pumped a lot of money into charter schools, which would indicate that he's not liberal Um, because he. But the point is, is that it has been fairly evident for quite some time that Mark Zuckerberg is is got his foot on one side of the dividing line and and. Yeah, you and I use Facebook as a means of communication, a means of fun. None of us are checking on ads. None of us are stupid enough to fall into QAnon K-holes. But we know that there are a tremendous amount of people who are getting their information from Facebook. Oh, the vaccine is scary. How do you know? I read it on Facebook, which is like the equivalent of reading it on a bathroom wall, for fuck's sake. It means nothing. So that's obviously we are in agreement. That's the danger. And that's what this whistleblower is talking about. That Facebook literally looks at stuff and goes, huh, this could cause violence. People could get hurt, but ka-ching! And they thrive on it. When they click on this, they're going to stay on here because then they're going to click on this and they're going to click on this and our ads are just going to make us money. And they thrive on the violence. And you know, right, because their energy is like, we're here to make money. Right. I wish they would just be honest about it. We're here to make the money. Which is, you know, that's fine, but stop we're here to make money. That's fine. But stop positioning yourself as a as a means of communication. And we're the fi- and we're the neighborhood sounding board. No, you're a, a, a commercial space that allows people to post pictures of their pot roast, basically. And right. s- stop the shit. And I think now we will be united Republicans and Democrats in fucking going. All right, guys, you know what? Clamp down. And I'm all for it. Regulate these guys like and you do all everything of it, else, let me right? Just tell you, okay, I'll tell you something really crazy. So we all know that our phones listen to us, right? I don't know if you guys realize that your phones listen to you, and sometimes that's how you will start seeing ads targeted towards you. Now they're also scanning through all of our shit, like which we all have all known. A friend of mine on one of my one of my group threads sent the, uh, a picture of these new potato chips. It's like a Hattie B's hot chicken potato chip. And we were having a discussion about it and everything. I didn't even chime in on the discussion, but I opened up Facebook yesterday and now I'm seeing all of these ads for those chips. And I'm like, I didn't even answer the thread. I've never answered a thing. I'm getting, I'm a little hurt and yet the ads are fat. I get nothing but ads for like, makeup for women who are letting their hair go gray. How did you know that, Facebook? <laughs> it's really crazy. Fuck you, Facebook. It's How did really, you know that? really, 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 really crazy. Anyway, so I yeah. really, I mean, that's the bigger issue. Mark Zuckerberg, I mean, you know, all, all, shows, of, our, yeah. all of our joking sort of aside, these guys are dictating dictating public policy without saying it, and that's the reason. I mean, she mm-hmm. sat there and said that they had been reached out by leaders from a bunch of, I think it's yeah. like nine different countries saying mm-hmm. you are cause, causing discourse with the information discord, that is coming. Discord, to, discord, discord. Yeah, yeah we we you know, want discourse. You know, you know, I'm always, I'm always. Too, <laughs> I'm not trying to be I'm, what no, I'm no, saying. No, I was just about to say, but you know, I'm always two, two letters off of the right, right word. And you're always like, no, honey, that's the rule. No, no, no. I'm just saying, because we want discourse. <laughs> right, we, we don't want discourse. discourse. Right. Oh my God. So thank God you're a professor. Because it's like, you're always like, honey, wrong well, word. Well, it's not professor. <laughs> I, you know, it's just whatever. It's the only language I speak. Um, um, no, but it's, I think it's a this woman, this woman is cr- very credible. And I think what oh, she's yeah. saying is very important and she is protected legally by, there is a whistleblower law and she has gone through all the checks to be a whistleblower. Well, listen, he, it's the one thing that seems to be that the Democrats and the said. Republican, they were being all nice to each other. We like, hate oh, Facebook. Well, look at this. We hate Facebook. So we, yay we, for we, Facebook. <laughs> we hate Facebook. And maybe but, next time Facebook won't take block me because I made a joke about a dead mouse. See, that well, they well, blocked well, me. Well, you know what's really funny? Two things. One, it's really hard, right? Because I do have this thing like, I don't think you should just be able to come in and tell a private company what to do, right? But at the same token, we have to update the laws because everybody, the Constitution was written before there was electricity, you know, so much has changed. We have not added amendments to this constitution in a long time. And I'm sorry, with the advent of online and everything else, some of these rules have to change. 
they, yeah. they, they, they just yeah, have to be I mean, updated. I'm yeah. not saying wipe them out, but you have to update and add. No, you have to regulate. To you have to treat it like a maybe if Congress did their jobs and stopped fighting with each other and realized there's a bunch of shit that we could agree on together, they could maybe do something. Well, Go I think figure. This, I think this is it. Well, Got speaking it. of the internet and people Oof. firing, and this is, uh, uh, you know, um, is all right. So Stephen A. Smith was responsible I, for Mac. I, I have to say it's, it's somewhat refreshing to see a black person being responsible for firing a white person. Right. It is a, it is. Whee, that's fun. Right. <laughs> Except when it's Stephen A. Smith, who I am not a fan of, never been a fan of my mother likes him. And, you know, I love how he's like, well, I looked at the ratings and they're saying that this was getting stale. And I love how he just assumed the problem was Max. I think the problem is Stephen A. Smith. You know, well, he's, what I mean? sort of a, he's sort of an asshole, isn't yes. he? Yes. Right? And I think that his brand of journalism, of being that guy who's like, ah! and screaming, is kind of old. Yeah. And like, I, I used to see, I don't know if you know this, but um, as a person years ago in my office and when I would work, I used to have CNN on 24-7. 24-7. That was just the background to my shit. And I realized it was starting to really, especially during the election cycle, I had to turn up. It really started to affect my day. And I didn't realize how much keeping news on 24-7 would affect my day. So when I cut that off, I went to just put ESPN on in the background. But I have to tell you, I have not watched ESPN in so long. I've stopped watching because a bunch of the talent that I loved has left. They have a woman problem. They have a black person problem. They just have problems. They need to... Everybody needs to go. All the executives, I think they need to clean house with some of that talent, including Sage Steele, who's like, doesn't understand why Obama would check black on the box when well, his black... She sounds she sounds like sort of the Candace Owens of sports broadcasting. Right, right. I mean, she, first of all, nobody black likes Sage Steele. Let me just yeah. say that. She's been that for a long time. We don't like her. Everybody loved Jamil. Jamil yeah, Hill. Hill. We loved her. But they ran her and Michael out of there, right? And Carrie left. But we got stuck with Save Steel, who's like, Save Steel is like putting two week old past his due milk into your fresh new box of cereal. She's horrible. And the fact that she tried to say that she doesn't understand why Obama would check black on his box because his father wasn't around and his white mother and grandmother are the ones who raised him. It's just like, what planet are you on? What planet are you well, on? And, and I actually saw an interview this morning with, first off, Sage Steele sounds like a porn star name, but I'm just Absolutely. Gonna, it, it, does. Really does, it does. It really does. Yeah. I was like, wow, they're hiring porn stars at the How Progressive. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, honestly, I, I I mean, you know, I love sports. I don't watch ESPN a lot. The only show mm -hmm. I've really, I used to watch Jamel Hill uh, mm -hmm. check in and I, I do, I know it's not ESPN, but I do love anything Charles Barkley related because I find him to just be hilarious. Oh, well, that's, that's the TNT and that. TNT, and Kenny we Smith love and all those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, those guys. And, and yeah. I do like Jalen and Jacoby just because Jacoby's a friend of my son's. And well, he's actually, nice everybody but, likes Jalen and Jacoby. They're great. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. But I think that when I saw her, they that woman, Carrie... Um, Carrie Champion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she came on. And the thing that's really troubling about, I mean, there's many things that's troubling about Sage Hill. She made some stupid anti-vax comment and very pointedly had wait, a Band-Aid, wait. Wait, wait, had a Band-Aid on her arm. So clearly she got vaccinated. Well, because she felt, she said it was sick because it's a mandate by ESPN. Oh, mm -hmm. and she also said about women who get well, sexually that's always, harassed and everything. Yeah. Well, you knew what you were doing when you put that outfit on. It's like, what, well, like, what? <laughs> well, well, even but even more importantly than that, because I hate to say it, that is not an uncommon thought among women. But my but thing is, that's such a stereotype. I don't think every woman who was who's been sexually harassed. I'm not saying. Have, no, I'm just saying the fact that she would say that. It's like not every but, woman who's who was sexually harassed or anything came into work in a miniskirt. You well, know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, I'm saying that's so weird. That's, a, that's not an uncommon thought. What I'm right. saying to me, that was more troubling. And this is what Carrie champion brought up mm. you're then saying and i won't mentor you i mean women need the reason women don't get to rise in corporate positions is because there's no one there who will help them there was no one there who will look out for them now i'm not saying all women will help out women i'm not saying all black people will help out black people but for christ but I sake, found that it's better these days right because look at fucking katie Corrick, who's written this book that she's going around promoting, talking about basically how she didn't mentor other women, saw them as competition and sound like the, a, the meanest mean girl on the fucking planet. Well, because we're forced to be that. 
We are. Women are forced. Uh, it's an issue. I can, women are pitted against each other in a way that men will never understand. No, but you know what? That is women doing that to each other. Don't women say are pitted against but each why? other. But women pit. No, but who pits the women? Women. <laughs> no, okay. Women are pitted against each other. In I'm not saying all women. Courtney, this is my experience as a woman. You're not women, a woman. <laughs> I'm very much a woman. <laughs> I'm very much a woman. Court, do, you feel, women, do, you feel, do you feel like you've been some you've been pitted against other women? I in will your career? tell I there is always the one woman writer, the one woman on the cover of the magazine. I'm not saying women aren't complicit, but we are complicit in many ways because this is how we've been trained. We have been trained to see women as competition, right? As opposed to a sisterhood. We are right. I'm not saying that it's across the board, but we are trained. Women are, I mean, it's not across the board, and I don't want to make blanket say, but the reason is women don't have the power that men do. It's just a fact. Right. Men run the country, women don't run the country. So to me, what Sage to say. The, the dressing provocative thing is so fucking outdated and stupid. It's you don't even listen to it. But the fact that I don't like the way you're dressed and, and therefore I am not going to help you. Wow. It's yeah. crazy, right? That it's to me nuts. is like, I will tell you when I was, you know, becoming a writer, I could name on one hand the other women. I, a lot of them came way before me and I was mentored in a lot of ways by men, right. which is fine. And it wasn't really, but I've had. I was up for a job once, a very prestigious job. They liked me a lot. And one of the reasons I heard that they didn't consider me is they were concerned that I was a mother, a single mother, and wow. I wouldn't have the flexibility to leave town. Mm. So that has never, no man has ever been said, oh, you have a kid. You think you'll be able to leave the kid? And everyone knows I would have just tied Lucian to the radiator and left town. It's not right. that big a fucking <laughs> Oh my no, god. No, I just I just hate that. You know, I you know. It's just reality. It's just a reality. We live, you know, it's just yeah, I mean, you I don't want to go but I mean, where it's 2021 and women are having to take to the streets to fight for their their healthcare rights. Healthcare rights. So, let's talk about a, a woman we love. Adele. <laughs> no, Billie Eilish. Oh, yeah. Mention her. Oh yeah, Billie Eilish. She's going to be headlining Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and Sage Steele, by the way, uh, she's not fired. She's just suspended. By, she's suspended. Week, but she'll she, but, be fired. Yeah, she'll nobody wants to see her. Nobody she'll wants to fired. see her. I don't want to see her face. She's checked. And I'm, not, and I'm not a cancel culture person. I just have never liked Sage Steele. It's not. It's called culpability. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like she's, she's horrible. She's nobody checked, will miss her. Yeah, nobody she's checked. The yeah. thing is, she's checked too many boxes. She's pissed off black people. She's pissed off women. And she's pissed off people who want to get vaccinated. So boom, 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 boom. Yeah, nobody will miss her. In the right, world, so, the, in, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. always the internet. Go to Newsmax. Yeah, Sage. whatever. I'm sure well, not even that. She just doesn't appear to be good at her job. I mean, that's, that's the other horrible. thing. No one cares about her. All right. So, so Billie Eilish, we just wanted to mention, she will become the youngest uh, person as a solo artist to headline Glastonbury in 2020. We love her. As everyone knows, we love her. I find her to just be a total breath of fresh air. And I always find it just reaffirmation of men and their issues that it's always men who have a criticism of them. I don't know one woman who has a problem with them. Men have a problem with them. I'm so sorry you don't want to fuck her, men, you know? <laughs> sorry. And she don't want to fuck y'all either. And she and don't want to fuck you and either. she's fierce. I love, I love it. her. And I makes great it. music. And makes she, great listen, music. I'm here for it. You know what else I'm here for? 30s popping up all over the world. Why is she calling it 30 when she's 33 right now? Well, maybe because that's when she started writing it. She got divorced at 30, so it could okay. be, you know, starting from that year. That was the year. It's a good, age. It's a good age to get divorced. Yes, it's a good age to get divorced. You know what I mean? You yeah. still because you still have whole a lot of life ahead of you and you know right. what I mean? And um I don't know, but I try to think what would I want from a from Adele. Do I want some beats somewhere on this album? Yes. I think at this point, when we're going <laughs> yes. to album four, I would love some tempo in there. You know, Me I think too. I think it's going to be really, really important to just grow because, listen, that voice is phenomenal. We know she can sing us a ballad into the ground. We know that. But now it's a little bit time for what else do you have, right? Because when she gives us an up-tempo, it tends to be a good swinging number. So I'm going to hold off any sort of 
because I had one friend who saw the preview and he's like, oh, I was hoping for something up tempo. I was like, well, actually, we don't know what this song does. We just know the beginning and no, her doing we this. You, we don't know anything. So I'm just going to wait and see what it is. Well, I, I mean, she has she is someone who has universal appeal, age group. Um, actually, I read a very funny comment once because she is somewhat old fashioned in her demeanor. In, 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 and she is hilarious. If you ever want to crack yourself up, watch Adele on talk shows, especially British talk shows. She is a broad. She is a drinking, cussing, smoking. I don't know if she smokes, but she's mm-hmm. a broad. Um, there's something, you know, she is someone that appeals to young people and older people, too, because she, you know, comes out in the kind of, you know, 60s kind of look. Um, she's a belter. I would love to see more rolling in the deeps and less hellos or whatever, because when she does the hellos and it's a great song and someone like you is obviously beautiful. She tends to over sing. She tends to punch the, you know, that thing that modern singers do where they kind of modulate and, you know, Alicia Keys being the worst, um, the worst uh, person who does it. They just like, Belt it out at the end. Rolling in the deep and fire to the rain to me are her two best songs, you know. And um, I would rumor, like to rumor see that, has it is my shit. Yeah, I that is great. That is, great. but those are the songs that. But you know, I love her first album, Hometown yeah. Glory. Is no my shit. I love no, and I and I and I, you know, she is. She has been spending a lot of time in the United States, which is going to impact. I just like her to stay away from the Ryan Tedders and the and the usual suspect. Well, here's the thing: Adele writes her songs. She doesn't really go to other people to write her songs. That's the good thing. Uh, about her. Yes, she does. Not a lot. If you look, if you look at an Adele album, most of her songs, I believe, are written or co-written by her. Well, co-written. Yeah. I mean, you know there I are mean? there are. I mean, as long as she doesn't go Jack Antonoff, please, God, don't go Jack Antonoff. Um, I'd love to see her work with some women. I'd love to see um, it's it's, you know, listen, it's going to sell a gazillion copies. She has no one has anything even people who are not crazy about her love her. Um, I, of course, as a woman, am really looking forward to a whole bunch of men bitching and complaining about what she looks like now. Because, oh, some guy in some some thread said, oh, my God, and she's so pretty now. It's like she's always been beautiful. She just was overweight and you didn't like her. But now she looks like what you think a white girl singer should look like. Shut right. Shut your fuck up. You know? <laughs> so look, it's going to be a huge record. I think we can guarantee that even though nobody buys physical copies anymore, her fans actually do. And oh, it's no, her fans buy physical. Her fans, listen, it's been six years. Adele is one of those artists who actually sells records and she sells a lot of records. And there's no one in her lane right now. She has no competition. Um, no you realize comp- we started talking and didn't even tell the people we have a guest on this show. Oh, yeah. Adele. <laughs> it's Adele. It's Adele. <laughs> but it might be Miles Marshall Lewis. But it's Adele. As Adele. Miles Marshall Lewis in his new persona. As Adele, since he's <laughs> since he's also working on a book about a really hilarious transphobic man, mm-hmm. he's going to come out and he's now Adele. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of mouthy black men, you're mm-hmm. um, to this versus thing, which we have agreed is just kind of like enough already with this right. shit. Um, I'm but done with th- the verses. I'm but so I, done. I'm done. But there's one coming up that looks really, really could be dope. You know, Big Daddy Kane, KRS One. Now, this is going to be. I wonder if the young kids are scratching their head like, who? You know, all the old heads are like, oh, my no, God. They have no <laughs> idea who either one. They they might know, like, oh, yeah, my grandmother used to live to listen to criminal minded. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, lyrically. So does, Chris, does Chris have D nice with him? You know what I mean? Is that. Can, can Chris afford D nice anymore? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean. Uh, are Scoop and Scrappy going to show up? Um, look, they they both represent the 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 best of New York hip hop, the best of the golden era. They are both very different type of lyricists. They're both showmen. Um, Karis One that was the first uh, first hip hop piece I ever got paid to write. I wrote about Boogie Down Productions, and and you know I met D Nice when he must have been like twelve. Um, it, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It would be interesting to see if you can limit Chris, bless his heart, to like a format because he does tend to kind of go on tangents. But I think it's going to be great in terms of the energy. They're both really, they both have solid catalogs. I mean, there's no filler. And um, I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Will I listen to it? Probably not because, you know, I 
but I think it'll be really, really fun. Let's fast talk about the halftime show. And then we're going to pick that up with miles because finally there's a halftime show that really truly reflects Jay-Z's um, influence though. He, um, so who is it going to be the halftime show? It's it be- is Dre- Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Snoop Dogg, and Mary J. Blige. Right. Who I wish they would stop calling hip hop's hip hop artist, Mary J. Blige. Like, oh my God, she's this fucking singer. <laughs> well, remember, she was the queen of hip hop soul. That's what right. they were calling. Yeah, I know, yeah, but they always call her yeah. hip hop artist. Right. Um, <laughs> listen, it's a it's a great lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I didn't even recognize Eminem in the pictures because he doesn't mm-hmm. dye his, he doesn't bleach his hair anymore. And mm-hmm. I was like, who is, what is Jake And he's Dillon? looked like that for a long time. Yeah, no, her. but he doesn't, I think it's going to be great because none of these, uh, none of these people have, um, well, Snoop is probably the most ubiquitous because he's everywhere. They've got catalog for day. They've got interchangeable catalog. Mary has, I'm sure Mary's biggest hit is a Dre song. Snoop is, they're all good showmen. Well, here's the thing. Mary's dropping an album in November. Right. I believe Kendrick's working on a record, and if he's yeah. doing if he's doing the Super Bowl, you know there will be something. something. Right? You they're all I mean? they're all Dre related, yeah. but uh, not to the point where it's exclusionary. But you and I have talked about this, and I mean it's a losing battle, but it would be kind of nice. People sort of forget that Dr. Dre likes to liked to in the past and smack women around in the NFL, which is had- what's very surprising to me that the NFL said yes to him. Right, cause because he is a little. Been, they've, I mean, he's in the middle of a nasty divorce. I mean, it's just mm. been so much, you know. And another I mean? woman has popped up with a baby. Somewhere. That's what, and they have been so trying to get away from that image. I'm really surprised that they were like, "Yes, come in, come well, on in." I think they're counting on the fact that most people don't know who Michelle Lay or D Barnes are. Right. So I think they are on. I mean, he's one of these guys who has managed to. Um, you know, oops, oh, that, you know, so, and, um, but I think it's going to be, listen, it's going to be a great show. I mean, it's just going to, it's going to be spectacular. I'm singing the national anthem guys. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much. Just the visual. Yes. You know, (laughs) lately it's been the person who sings the national anthem. That's the most interesting, you know, Mm -hmm. Well, I'm doing it with me, Lynn Farmer, and it's going to be amazing. (laughs) You know who I'd love to sing the national anthem? Rosalia. I think it'd be interesting. They have never had well, she's um, a, a, well, no, a Spanish-speaking artist. Well, no. Well, she's not American. So she's, what? Because it's the American national anthem. So that's, that means that's who so? sings the national anthem. But why not? Why not make it because in an international Spanish, thing? Then I just have, think it would be. I'm talking have, about. Then you have vocally. Then then have a Spanish artist who's from America, from our culture, who's American to sing it. I don't. I don't want to see somebody who's not American singing the, the national anthem. Yeah. Nobody it's a, na- it's a national, but it's a national thing. That, I know. That's where I'm going to have to say, no, 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 no. All I right, Billy, some- Billy Eilish. No, it's going to be me and it's going to be wonderful. No, and I'm, I'd like I'm to gonna, see that. I'm going to debut a new outfit, a new look, and it's going to be amazing. So uh-huh. uh, I think you should do the intro to our illustrious guest. Well, um, we're going to be talking to the fabulous longtime friend of ours and great writer miles marshall lewis who has a brand new book out about kendrick lamar that miles will hopefully hype until the fucking tell the people the title of the book <laughs> i don't have the book in Wait, front Ms. of me amy amy <laughs> I, 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 amy I, I know i'm the worst I'm amy so i know we're doing i'm the, the show and it, i know we're introducing uh, miles uh, wait no, no, google no, no, it no. quick no uh, you do that that I, makes uh, no do sense do i have to write no, uh, uh, that I, I, I cannot I totally believe. Forgot. All right, I know I I'm horrible. All right, wait, I'm going to do a, a, a vamp, 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 vamp. I'm sorry. I had a lot to do this morning. Vamp, wait. <laughs> you had a lot to do other than telling people. Oh, oh, my God. All right. So anyway, Miles is coming up. He's going to talk about his book, which is getting. It's called Promise fancy- That that you will sing, you sing about, about me. me. That's what I thought it was called. But well, I, thought there was saying... I thought there was a poem in it. All right. we. You know what? You have problems <laughs> with the English language. All right. Okay. But I also don't have problems with our guests coming on. I don't have well, a book in front of me problems. that we're about to talk about. All right. <laughs> let it slide. Life no, no, I'm not going to let it slide with that one. That's whack. Anyway, Miles coming up next. Sit Yay. tight, kids. I want to start this with a huge apology. All right. First off, I woke up at six o'clock thinking it was another day. 
which is uh, thinking I had to be at work at, at seven, which is bullshit. All right. When we were, when we were introducing you and Courtney Berry said, and Amy, the name of the book. And I was like, I forgot. Oh, fuck the book is on the other side of the room. I can't get up. Uh, and I had to Google it. And so I apologize. So for our non-existent no video, <laughs> and it's a gorgeous looking book. It's very pretty. Thank you. Yeah, well, it, that was it, half the point. You know, I mean, you've seen or read uh, Jay-Z's Decoded, and I yeah, yeah. Kinda, I wanted something as pretty. We no, wanted something pretty. as pretty. You know, it's got illustrations. It's got No, and it's got a quote from my future ex-husband, Chris X, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> hey, you know, Chris. You know, Chris and I have been engaged for 25 time. years. We've been engaged for <laughs> 25 years, but somehow he won't set the date. And Chris is actually the first person I ever heard of Kendrick Lamar from. So let's talk about that the book. Is. Yeah, let's talk about it, Marl. So this is yeah. your second book? Mm. The third book. Um, I did a book that was a memoir about growing up in the Bronx and seeing hip-hop rise and fall. And uh, then there was a book about There's a Ride Going On, which is sort of 33 and a third series that yeah. Bloomsbury has. Right. Right. And that came, that was my last book. Although I don't tend to count the anthologies, but I had an anthology called Bronx Biannual that had a bunch of different voices in it, like Michael Gonzalez and Greg Tate and... Um, Unknown, Paris struggling one. unknown writers. That's nice of you to give them a forum. <laughs> yeah, you know, I try they're, to they're newbies on, you know, it's good for right. you to give them a forum. <laughs> so there were two of those. So, you know, I guess they kind of count. They were full of short stories and essays and some poetry. Uh, Mums was in there. Uh, the late, great Mums, Craig yeah. Mums Grant. Uh, so anyway, uh, in a way, it's, it's my third book or maybe my fifth. But Well, um, it's, it's called... Out. In the Mia Culpa of Mia Culpas, it is called Promise Me That You Will Sing About Me, The Power and Poetry of Kendrick Lamar. It is an, I mean, I'm saying this, I'm showing it. Um, it is a really gorgeous book. I mean, it really is. You get like caught, and, and you and I, we all know that to get a publisher to spend a nickel on a book is, is fantastic because, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, so you know, I, thinking about Decoded, like, uh, the uh, amount of money that they spent on decoded in terms of the original photographs had to be yeah. like astronomical because oh. we got a lot of our photographs for free. In fact, all of them. Oh, good for you. Good for you. So, <laughs> and who knows it? Who knows if they didn't have to do the same? Because I just I know that when Bill did the Amanda Lepore book with Regan Books, uh -huh. all of those photos from David LaChapelle, all of those very big photographers, he got all of the over two hundred photos for free. That's amazing. You know, but, it, but it was a lot of. You know, begging. relationships and digging and begging, begging. you know? So Miles, publishers don't want to spend any money. Why don't yeah. you talk? Are you giving us snacks? What are you bringing out behind there? What do you got there? I'm about what to is clean that? my glasses. So oh, I love those. Those are the best <laughs> ever. I learned from my optometrist <laughs> that you cannot spit on your glasses and rub no. it on your shirt. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. no. You won't see what the fuck. That's probably why that's I couldn't see the title of your idea. book. Because I was spitting on my glasses and rubbing on my shirt. So, All right, Miles, like, why was, Kendrick? Yeah, Kendrick. Why Kendrick? Why Kendrick? Why Kendrick? Um, well, uh, I'm getting up in age, you know, and there are fewer and fewer MCs that I actually appreciate uh, or fewer MCs that remind me of the hip hop that I used to love when, um, you know, albums stood at sort of uh, their own statements and stuff like that uh, prior to the shuffle era or the, the shuffle uh, culture era, you know, of iPods and stuff. And anyway, Kendrick does that for me. You know, uh, I would not write a book about Drake. I don't, um, he doesn't move me the same way. I know that Michael Eric Dyson is currently working on a book about Drake and, um, you know, he's a smarter man than I am, but um, I can't really uh, wrap my head around Drake or, um, or, you know, a lot of the modern MCs the way I can about Kendrick. I think that Kendrick, Drake and Kanye are probably the most interesting uh, pop, you know, level rappers to me, aside from the women, because definitely Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B are, are interesting to me as well. But um, and even Nicki Minaj. But I don't know um, that I would do books on them. Uh, right. Whereas, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I came up in the golden age of hip hop in, in the 90s as well, when it went pop. And um, and Kendrick, he just. Um, uh, I can use the language that I used to use for those MCs, Tupac and Biggie and, and the rest of them. Um, I can, I can use that language on him, his albums, uh, they're cohesive and, uh, and his rhyme ability is, is unmatched in my opinion. And, uh, he just, he just does it for me, you know? I mean, um, 
Yeah. I, I was going to, there's a, I, I, jumping on what you were saying about that, you do mention what's interesting about the book is that, you know, if someone thinks this is going to be a bio, it's as much a bio about you and your relationship with rap music and your coming of age, which is what a lot of rap books tend to be because we, um, I mean, it's the same, I guess, about punk. It's something that was so foundational for many people. Um, so there is that. There's a lot of stuff about Tribe um, right. in that whole era. What I wanted right. to talk to you, because it's interesting, Kendrick is an interesting artist because um, Courtney and I have talked about this because he is someone who has straddled pop, pop meaning popular, not pop music, right. And, right. and sort of very kind of almost agitprop. I mean, high power yeah, is nothing like, you know, humble. And when, right. when all the Black Lives Matters uh, and the George Floyd stuff started popping up, I remember Courtney and I kept saying, where's Kendrick? Like, yeah, sure. This is the voice that, like, where is Kendrick? You know, so right. wh what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that COVID has a lot to do with that. And I think that he's sort of, I mean, commercially anyway, sort of sitting out COVID. Uh, I think that um, uh, albums having an impact right now, like, you know, in this pandemic uh, age that we're still riding through, uh, for albums that have an impact now is sort of more difficult, you know, unless I guess you're releasing like super stellar pro uh, product. But, um, you know, I wonder how many people are still listening to Donda or how many people are still listening even to to Drake's record, you know, Certified Lover Boy. I mean, certainly the hardcore fans must be, I guess, but um, uh, yeah, I the think hardcore fans didn't like it. Well, no, hold on. I'm yeah. going to push back yeah, on that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Donda was a piece of, like, Donda wasn't great. Kanye hasn't had no. a pop hit in a long time. Right. And Drake fans, even though this album was number one for three weeks, this was not one of his most popular records. And right. But there are a lot of, but there are a lot of people who put out albums during the pandemic that were very successful and their word got across quite well. So him not putting something out or having something to say because of yeah. COVID. Is yeah, like, it's not that even. That doesn't change the fact that the stuff that was happening was still happening. I hear you. Right? I mean, yeah. um, I mean, and I don't think artists. Yeah, people yeah. have had like successful albums and I don't I don't uh, I don't dispute that. I just feel like uh, in terms of his mentality, he might be a little scared, you know. He might but be how about scared. a statement? I was just surprised, and I'm not. Listen, yeah, I don't think he has a responsibility, but it was just sort of one of those things where you're like, you know, we're going to be all right. Is literally like an anthem for the movement, and I, it would have been interesting. But that kind of right. gets me into my other question because he is not, he is not a down the lane guy in terms of his politics. He has been criticized. You talk about this, and I appreciate the fact that you don't. Oh my God, Kendrick Lamar in the book. He has been criticized for an ambivalence right. with, about women in particular, right. an ambivalence about Black Lives Matter. Can you talk, just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think that I probably mentioned this in the book as well, that um, there's a danger in embracing wholeheartedly the the role of, you know, the, the public enemy person, you know, or the the Paris person, the KRS-One person, you know, because um, people want to shoot spitballs at that, you know, like you have to straddle the line, but, you know, between, um, between, I don't know, more gutter shit. I can curse, right? You, um, curse. <laughs> you know, In fact, more you're not cursing shit. enough for us, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you, you know, you have to, I don't know, put out more populist material. You, you have to straddle the line, you know, you can't just be common. Because when you're just common, then nobody you buys know, your records. Right. You know, that puts you in a certain lane and, and certain listeners don't want to hear that all the time. But I'm talking but, about his statements. I'm sorry, Courtney. I'm sorry. Uh, well, right. I was going to say, you know how I feel, Amy. I don't think it's an artist's responsibility to have to tell people what to do and how to feel. Uh -huh. and, and, and I don't, you know, I know that you would always, you, Amy does feel strong, like his music really speaks to this time that he, like, where was, where was yeah. his statement to say something when all these things are going on? Right. I don't necessarily think artists have to do that. I think they can give you what they want to give you in that moment. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? And you're supposed to take that and, and you can enjoy it as music, or if you, if it means something to you in a, in a more meaningful well, way, that is, that that's okay too because it is very dangerous once you take that stand you can't untake it right. and it's not a black or white issue and i think people are complicated artists are complicated art is complicated then you know you win a pulitzer prize and it right. kind of complicates things more because now people are looking at you like you are a voice of a generation right so it's kind of like 
are you supposed to say something or can you just say it in your art? Like, we don't know. He's working on an album. We don't know what that art's going to say. It could say sure. everything that everybody's wanted him to say for a long time, or it could just be a fun record, right? Right. Well, what about, I was going to, I'm glad Courtney brought that up. I want to ask you about the, the, I'll tell you a very fast little anecdote. So a person who I don't feel like mentioning his name had to give some talk a couple of years ago or two years ago about hip hop. And he said to me, I don't even fucking listen to rap anymore. I said, oh, just tell me, listen to Kendrick. Everybody over the age of 45 listens to Kendrick. Just say Kendrick, 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 Kendrick. And they'll go, oh, wow, you're really cool, even though you're 50 something. Um, winning the polls are mind blowing. OK, it's a mind blowing prize for anybody, but especially for a young black man, for a rapper, a mind blowing but it adds a degree of sort of like mainstream legitimacy, which could be seen as like death to a rapper in some ways. Does that make any sense? What do you, I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, I think it was maybe Jay Smooth who was uh, quoted in the book as saying that, uh, you know, the Pulitzer, him winning the Pulitzer does more for the Pulitzers than it does for him, you know? Like, uh, the streets were not waiting for Kendrick to win a Pulitzer Prize (laughs) for us to be like, oh, great, you know, like, now he's whatever. Like, we already knew he was whatever uh, in terms of being, you know, a great MC and a a voice of his generation and all of that. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's the Pulitzer Prize Committee that can say, oh, you know, we awarded it to a rapper and, you know, a young black man has one and we're, we're hip, you know, like it doesn't do anything for Kendrick. I mean, really, it does more for the Pulitzer Prize Committee, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I have to say about it. I mean, certainly he is a patron saint for um, hip hop, you know, listeners over 50. Yes. <laughs> yes. And white people. I mean, it, he is also. one of those, he's seen as one of those signifiers of course, present company excluded, but he is seen as one of those signifiers of like, I'm paying attention to the culture, but yet, you know, (laughs) you know, Um, and um, uh, can you talk a little bit, because he is an interesting guy with this, talk a little bit about his faith. He is very open. He, he is a Christian, right? I mean, he, and he talks a lot about faith. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I hope he gets into that a little bit more even on the next record. I mean, we know just following the narrative of his albums, which are very like concept albumish, that uh, on Good Kid Mad City, there's a skit where he gets saved in a, a food for less parking lot. Uh, you know, as a, as a skit, right? Like um, that's my favorite of his albums. Out, well, so. yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I read a critique of um, my book the other day that said uh, you're not supposed to read the the um, the reviews, right? But I read mm-hmm. this review and it said, you, you that, read all of, "Have you read all of them?" <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you can tell by like he was like, "You're not supposed to read the reviews." But, I'm like, "But I've read all how, of them." However, <laughs> you, you know. it's it's weird being on the other side of it, right? It's it weird. is suddenly exactly. going. People are asking me questions. You know, journalists, we just make shit up. And that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, the critique was that I spent too much time on Good Kid, Bad City, you know, and I was like, well, that that might be fair, considering it's, it's probably my favorite. But the point right. is that Maya Angelou appears on that record and she plays like a grandmother who saves him. You know, uh, he does like the Lord's Prayer or the Savior's Prayer or something like that. And it automatically saves you as a Christian. Right. And so uh, he's definitely very he puts that forward in his lyrics. Um, in terms of being uh, a Christian, right? But then on the last record on Damn, there were like some, you know, there was some Hotep stuff on there in terms of um, quoting certain sections of the Bible that, um, you know, you'll hear from like Black Israelites on the corner on, you know, like near Union Square on on 14th Street. 125th Street, right. (laughs) They're still in the I'm not sure where he's going with that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure where he's going with that. You know, uh, I mean, uh, we're no strangers to the whole 5% nation, you know, uh, theology of things. And it it was leaning in that direction. And and again, in in the direction of like the Black Israelites uh, that talk so much shit, uh, you know, don't don't troll me, y'all. But yeah, I have to tell you, my it's a really fast story. When I first moved to Brooklyn in 1983, I've told Courtney's story. I'm in the Fulton Mall and uh, I see these guys standing there in outfits. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I run home and I call a friend. I go, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five are in the Fulton Mall. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, and and you know, things have changed because a black guy tried to give me the final call the other day. And I'm like, wow, you guys are desperate for membership. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, hello, white devil. 
No, white devil. I was going to work, but I was like, I was so shocked that a black guy went off because used to, you know how it used to be. They would see you coming and literally hide it behind their back and then bring it out again. Well, no, because we're blacks. So it, it was yeah, a I didn't have that experience. No, when you were white, when you were white, I meant when you were white, they would literally the bean pies would go behind their back. Bill oh, Adler yeah? used to always try to get me. Can you buy me a bean pie? I'm like Jesus Christ, Adler. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Now we're white, white devil. How long did it take you? How much time did you spend with Kendrick? Um, uh, well, so I interviewed him in 2015. It was for the cover story of Ebony magazine. And he's one of the few rappers or certainly one of the first rappers to appear on the cover. Uh, I was working at Ebony at the time uh, on their digital Did you side. get paid? I, di- I did actually. Okay, yeah. Good. Well, actually, Miles, because I, I was working with him. <laughs> So my I, I want to stand up for Miles because I did a couple <laughs> right. of things for Ebony.com and uh-huh. Miles made sure oh. we got, you got paid. You got paid. Yes. Okay, yeah. good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I tried my best, you know, but um, <laughs> thank you. But yeah, he might have been like my second cover story for Ebony. I think I've done like mm-hmm. 10 at this point or something. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the few writers who will still write for them, maybe. Um, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I went out to Cali, uh, spoke to him at the photo shoot and then I went to the studio with him and I we hung out for a couple of hours. And in true Gemini fashion, uh, you know, I'm thinking about Prince here, that he's a workaholic and he just sort of wanted to get back to what he was doing. But he was present with me and he gave me everything I needed. And then I took my Uber home and he stayed in the studio till five in the morning, you know, and that's what he does. Um, I he has a uh, he's a father now. Right. So he has a little girl. Uh, She might be like a year old or something. And uh, and and the uh, wife or like the mother is Whitney Alford. Um, they've been engaged for a long time. And for a long time. Oh, they're like high school sweethearts. Yeah, aren't they? they're high school, high school sweethearts. Yeah. For all we know, they're married by this point, right. and we just don't know. Like right. the name of the child has not even been released. So but see, I like that. Like There's your no private life, keep yeah. your private life private. People don't right. need to know because once you let fo- listen, once you let folks in, right. you can't you can't get them out. Right. Courtney, does does Janet have a daughter? She was married to James DeBarge, though. We know uh, that. You know, and there Courtney, was a kid. I, honestly, no, I think if Janet had a daughter, Janet would have acknowledged her daughter by now. I do. I, I, I absolutely do believe Just asking. I don't, because you see how much, you see how much she loves her kid. Yep. I can't see her being a person. And that family is actually, they, they may have some strange shit, but they're really family oriented, right? right? Some would say some would say Michael was extremely family oriented. Okay, you know what? It's like I feel the shame. I think if Janet had a daughter, Janet would have acknowledged her daughter. Yeah, she's the normal I, one. Especially seeing how she is with her kid and she's really into her kid. Like yeah. I, I don't think she'd be like, yeah, no. Right. I mean, and these days the kid would have like no one can keep anything a secret anymore. <laughs> Everybody uh-huh. tells fucking everything. But you know right. who's a lot like that in terms of the secretive, and they are combined. They have a similarity. It's J. Cole. We didn't know that J. Cole got married, and he also married mm. his no, he, had been, he had been, been married. married, right? And I right. think been he has married. a kid. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a streak of conservatism, and I'm not. I don't mean in terms of being a Republican. Um, in in a J. Cole, in, in a Kendrick, in that they are very much guided by faith, which by its nature is somewhat conservative, and it's not, I'm not making a pejorative of it, and no. they are, you know, there is something about I'm marrying the girl I went to high school with, there is a, a sort of... Um, a practicality about them, a sort of provincialness about them. And this is not a pejorative. And I think it shows, mm-hmm. maybe that shows why he says what he says, but he doesn't go so far left or right as to alienate people. Yeah. I mean, certain uh, part of that is just a generational reaction to uh, what, what their generation is steeped in, which is uh, the bear all social media uh, situation. You know, um, there was bound to be sort of a reactionary thing you know against that uh, eventually and i think that kendrick and j cole you know are part of that well i don't have to be there all the time every right. single day telling you every aspect of every you know last goddamn thing like no they're not on that thank god yeah are you happy with the reaction to your book uh so far you know i mean it's new so um uh, you know what can i say i mean it's it's been out like nine days so far um, yeah, but I am. I went to Barnes and Noble, uh, you know, so that it could stick the little autograph by sticker on it and I could sign mm-hmm. some books. 
And um, you, at Union Square, they only had one one stock. And I was like, uh, you want to maybe order some more? And they were like, no, this is the last, this is the last one left. Like, you know, this. Wow. <laughs> that's great. It, it's selling yeah. well at Green Miles, Light Books. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. That's 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 amazing. No, it's Listen, an achievement. Nobody nobody tries to, you know, books are a labor of love, especially now. It's a hard work to get a publishing deal. It's hard work to get your book out there. And you want to know that people are responding to it and they're being receptive to it. So congratulations. Yeah, Thank no. um, my little Miles, who <laughs> was a video buying assistant at Tower Video a gazillion <laughs> years ago. He's now he's now Parisian yeah. <laughs> and he writes yeah. books. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll, I'll tell this story that you may not remember, or maybe I tell it every time I see you. I don't know, but um, I, you know, Courtney and I we worked at Tower Video, right? Uh, once upon a lifetime uh, on Fourth street and like lafayette all right mm -hmm. so i was working there and i i would say that it was probably the summer of 89 right mm -hmm. okay so prior to the summer 89 i tried to pinch a rolling stone from tower records <laughs> which was down the block and i got caught and they took me to their little control room and i was like oh shit like cameras everywhere, yeah, right. mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. they were like all right you know we're not like arresting you or anything it's five dollars but you're not allowed at any tower ever in the country and they took my picture and i i mm -hmm. kind of smiled in the picture i think and they stuck it on the wall and they were like all right so we'll never see had a wall again. of these right. yeah they did and then like <laughs> nine months later they hired me that's so funny that's so funny. From the tower. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about when the first time you and I met. And I think, I think. I know what it was. All right, tell me, because we'll see if we have the, the same memory. The, yeah, well, I was like, what do you think it is? It was the New Edition concert. At it was. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> right. It was the New Edition concert. I was like, like wasn't the, it was the New Edition concert at. Was at, it the Any Heartbreak concert? No, no. Madison Square Garden, nope. when they got back together, when Whitney got on stage, it, it, it was Black Street opening up, Black Street, <laughs> to which I have told Courtney this. I had to tell a very major writer for many major publications who tapped me on the shoulder and goes, Oh, who's this? Which one is. Teddy Riley. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Wow, like that one. I'm glad I can identify them for you. So it was, it was, it was Black Street, Teddy Riley, Keith Sweat, and then right. New Edition. And you were there with your then girlfriend. That's true. And yes, and um, I just remember. Uh, and um, yes, and then I think we would run into each other from time to time to time to time to time. Over yeah, the for years. sure. No, but that was an amazing weekend because I remember it distinctly. It was like uh, it was that new edition show. And that was a great show. But Prince also played that weekend. And Tricky also played that weekend. Was Tricky that the, was at Irving Plaza. And was, Prince, that the bridge, was that the Prince show at Irving Plaza that Leslie worked on? I don't think so. I think this was maybe Prince. The 2 a.m. The 2 a.m. Because I went to a 2 a.m. Prince show at Irving Plaza. Yeah, that was the which, same one. Which, which was ended, ended up being one of his shows where it was a jam session where he was like, yeah. I'm not going to sing a single no shaka was there shaka was there larry graham everybody else said great show. played and went back and forth he's like no you will be here for hours that was and my mouth show. will not it was fabulous yes yeah, <laughs> no no that <laughs> leslie leslie pitts worked that show that mm -hmm. was her show i don't know how the hell i ended up at that show in terms okay. of staying was, yeah. awake yeah you know <laughs> because right. that was back when it was like Prince at 2 a.m. was exciting. He, it was the yeah. news. I am so glad that the last show that I saw Prince live at was, uh -huh. I went to the after show he did the night of the MTV Awards. It was a Sunday mm -hmm. night, like Sunday, September 12th. And he played a city winery. And yeah, right. everybody oh, sang oh with God. him. It, yeah, it was like Alice Smith and C Fresh. And that was the last time because I didn't go. I didn't make it to any of the shows after that. And, you know, so I'm so glad yeah. that my last memory was another small show. Because I've seen him in small venues several times. Yeah. I, now, the best show I mean? that I yeah. saw from him was it was at New Morning in Paris, you know? Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember because uh, I lived in Paris, for those who don't know, from 2004 to 2011. Right. Mm -hmm. So he played. It wasn't even an after show because there was no before show. Actually, Erica Badu had played Olympia and I went to that mm -hmm. show. And backstage mm -hmm. at that show, Erica was like, you know, Prince is playing tonight. And I was like, oh, shit. So I went mm -hmm. to New Morning, like capacity 200. And right. it was a fantastic show. He played till six in the morning. It was like mm -hmm. the best show I ever saw from him, you know? Yeah, I, I miss those late night Prince shows. Man, when he was on, 
Oh, yeah. Ooh, he just gave it to you. You left there drenched in sweat from just dancing and singing. And yeah. I love that there's not a lot of, there's not really any footage for that because Prince has been nah. on the no camera, right. no taping me <laughs> way before that was a thing of artists now, like put your phone in this house. It was no right. like, you pull the phone out and somebody would tap yep. you so quickly. I mean, you wouldn't even see where they came from. It'd just be like, and I, City Winery, I kept watching them throw people out because they would be trying to sneak and they'd be like, right. Yep. Bye. You gotta go. Bye. Not even put the phone away. You you're leaving. Yeah. You're leaving. See ya. I want to ask you a little bit about Paris because you know, like, I mean, it's it's a beautiful city, and I I was I've been there a couple times. Luckily, on other people's nickel, which is always nice. Yeah. And I went there. One of my favorite stories I ever did, which I hope you read, uh, was when I went to Paris in '98 for the Source to do a thing about the French hip hop scene, and oh, cool. um. It was, you know, like MC Solar, of course, but right. NTM and Assassin yep. and Paris, the, yeah, all those guys. And yep. um, NTM was very disappointed when I walked in the room that I was a white writer. They actually uh, said to their publicist, why'd they send a white girl? And I was oh. like, sorry. Um, <laughs> talk about living in Paris, because there is a tradition of black Americans uh, going to Paris, mm. you know? Yeah, I mean, that's true. I went in my 30s and I didn't have a mortgage and I, uh, I didn't have a car note. And I didn't have a job because Russell Simmons, one world went out of business. And I was like, uh, instead of paying this back rent, why don't I uh, buy a ticket to Paris? And so, so I did, you know, I had a, um, I had a French ex-girlfriend and I asked her to sort of help me set up in an apartment. And, you know, uh, what do I have to do? You know, um, like if I'm going to have to be an elevator man for a while to pay the rent, I would rather do it in Paris where nobody knows me than, um, than do it downtown or whatever <laughs> in Manhattan. So, um, so she helped me set up and, you know, it was easier than I thought. And actually we fell back in love and, um, and we got married and we started having kids. Oh, that's this is my wife. Your wife is French. Yeah. 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 She's, um, <laughs> wait a minute. You didn't know that? <laughs> no. <laughs> she makes macaroons. Yeah. Her, um, her I family. I thought she was a... cultured. You just thought she wasn't from the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> Now her family's from Martinique, you know, from the Fre oh. French West okay. Indies. The Antilles, okay. Yeah, exactly. And they moved, uh, you know, Martinique and Guadeloupe. Like, they moved to Paris when she was, like, four years old. And um, and so she's from there, yeah. So her brother lives there. Her dad is still over there. We oh, go every cool. time. All that, you know. I so, mean, yeah, so, I mean, uh, it was dope, mm -hmm. though. I mean, I went also definitely inspired by Baldwin and Richard Wright and different people right. who had been there. But also because I had been before and I really loved it, you know. Um, I remember studying abroad in London for like four months in 1995 uh i, I went to that uh d'angelo show at jazz cafe that they recorded mm. oh wow um, oh i have that i love it yeah, yeah i was great. at that yeah. show you know that's the only show that i was at where they made a record of it and yeah. um and i didn't like london like that but like paris i had stayed for like five days and was like yo i can live here you know like it's i actually beautiful did city. i lived in london and was like get me out of here like where's the good food well, so you let's know, talk about Paris because did you uh did you ever run into Mila and Farmer? I was just going to say that with? you have to <laughs> you are contractually <laughs> obligated. <next> <laughs> uh, I mean, you are contractually <laughs> obligated to pay homage. One of the one of the reasons Courtney likes me is because when uh -huh. he said Mila and Farmer, I didn't go who. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, nah, um, in terms of Paris, like I tried to transpose. Uh, the whole like open bar velvet rope lifestyle of New York to Paris. I was like, that must exist here. Like, get me on all the, you know, right. the, the, the uh, mailing lists and all that kind of shit. And it wasn't really the same culture. Um, however, I did uh, my share of interviews over there. So I interviewed um, Charlotte Gansborg and I interviewed. Oh, wow. oh, I love her. I love her. I interviewed Julie Delpy, the actress. Oh, I love her too. Oh, I love her too. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then I would go to the shows, the American shows. Like Nas came mm -hmm. over there, Jay-Z, Kanye, uh, Lil Wayne, uh, Q-Tip did a show, Michelle and Deggio Cello. I saw Prince a couple of times. So whenever I could go to stuff, I just did. I saw yeah. the My Bloody Valentine reunion. That was hot. Oh, wow. That was a last fucking show, man. Like, nice. they would hand out earphones, you know? Did or you earphones. like, are you an Etienne Daho fan? I really like him a lot. Do you know sure. him? Yeah. yeah, I like him a lot. I it, like that nope. the French have a real kind of respect for the singers. You know, they really seem right. to embrace the singers. Um, yeah, we, I was just over there this summer and I saw uh, Leon Lahavas. Oh, oh, I love her. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. live. She's, she's amazing. 
You know, I and, love her music. Um, I love yeah. her voice. She's really I, undersung here. She really, Courtney. You think it, she think you yeah. think she's somebody I would like now that you've kind of got a sense of my my yes yes okay. I think, I'm gonna, yeah, I think you would like her. I think I'm going like to listen yeah. to her. Miles, we just wanted to like since Ken, since you know Kendrick was nice enough to be in the halftime show while you're promoting a book about him. I think that's <laughs> really kind of him to do that. I, I agree. I wish he would release a new album. <laughs> I know, right? I think right, it's coming. Week. Listen, you know, if he said yes to the Super Bowl, there's going to be something to support. You don't you oh. don't have that kind of a moment. Right. And not unless you're Jennifer Lopez, who shows up to the opening of an envelope. You were <laughs> you you usually want to have something around it to support it because you all eyes on you. They'll all be talking about you. I have yeah. a feeling if he's not fourth quarter, we'll have something in that first quarter. Yeah, you, I agree. What do you think about the lineup, though? We're just, you know, in terms of just being a fan. No, of I mean, it's a dope. It's a dope lineup. I, I wonder, like most people, uh, you know, how many like what is the censor button going to be like? Oh, like, you know, what are going to what are going to get to work the censor button that night? You know, it'll be itch. Uh, don't kill my vibe. Itch, <laughs> itch, please. <laughs> it's like you know, most of the songs I want to hear are not performable at the Super Bowl. Nope. They're not family uh, friendly. Yeah, they're not, not family. Not from that bunch, but you know, we'll see what they do with it. We'll see what they do with it. We always kind of wrap things up or not wrap, but we I'd love to Courtney and I uh one of the things I love about doing the show other than getting to wear really ugly headphones is that Courtney always hips me to a lot of good music. So we were going to talk uh, about people that we're kind of checking for right now, but if you want to um, jump it off and talk about who you're listening to these days or just something, doesn't have to be a new artist, just anything you're kind of listening to. <laughs> well, so I'm in film school, right? I'm, I'm taking a 12 week filmmaking workshop oh, and it's all the way down by uh, battery place. So I have like 45 minutes on the train four days a week. So I've been like listening uh, to the stuff on the train more often than I usually would. Uh, so I played the new Her album or the, the first, the only Her album, according to her. Right, he, right, right. Yeah. Um, I played that and, you know, was really trying to um, trying to love it again because uh, it didn't impress me um, hugely when I first heard it. Um, so I'm not still really not there with it. But I appreciate her as a talent, and I hope you know, there's still better material from her. Do you know who I equate her with? She reminds me of Patrice Russian. Mm. She is a very talented musician. She's right. going to have some songs you like. She might not ever really sell a gazillion records, yeah. but I think people will always want to work with her because she is very musical. She's super talented. Right. She right. can play. She can write. She can perform. I, You know, I like her record. There's been a lot of music. I, I I just think it hasn't had that real moment yet. Yeah, but I think it, it will come for. It's like Patrice; she can have a very long career. Yeah, as long as I, they don't expect her to just sell a gazillion records, she'll be all yeah. right. I can see that. No, I mean, uh, yesterday I lit like you know, hand on the Bible. I listened to Paul's Boutique yesterday, and that's an album that I hadn't heard in in you know Decades. so fucking long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I played Paul's Boutique. I played uh, Frank Ocean's uh, Blonde. Uh, lately, I, I played Donda again. Overrated. Like not playing it since the day it was released. Uh, I played uh, Solange, a seat at the table. Overrated. Uh, you know, these are the kind of records that I've been looking. Even Beyonce's self-titled album, I kind of okay. played that. Uh, you know, recently. I, I just that. pulled that yes. out the yes. other day, and I never really play any of the music or anything that I've worked on. I don't usually play it, but for some reason, I was in the mood to hear that, and it sounded. Great. I'm sure. I want the vinyl. Actually, I'm, I'm glad that you have the vinyl. It's hot. Mm -hmm. I have never gone into a record store that has the vinyl. I guess they, mm -hmm. you know, you really have. I to think it was like right. And buy I it. mean, it, it, I got it from the you know the run when they right. first put it out. I don't know if they really have right. done a bunch of reissues on it. They have. Well, not, thank you. you know, have lemonade everywhere, but not right. that. One. Right. Right. Well, you know, thank you, Miles. Thanks, Thanks for coming Miles. Yeah, yeah, thank I, you. We haven't seen. I haven't. We haven't physically seen you in such a long time. So we're all aging <laughs> gracefully. I appreciate it. Yes. Hey. Now the last time I was at your place, Amy, um, you were not there because. Uh, and, oh yeah, Michael, Michael invited. Me. Yeah, Michael invited me up. Yeah, which is why right. Michael never comes to my house anymore. Um, all right, you guys. So, know it's it great to see you, Miles. Congratulations on the book. Really. No, thank you. And, thank you very much. And you guys, no. hold on for a second. Miles. Yeah, Let me ahead. just say this. Remember, yeah. guys, it's Miles Marshall Lewis. The name of the book is. Promise that you will sing about me. It's a, a great book on Kendrick Lamar. It talks about 
just Miles's love of hip hop, Kendrick, and parallels in life. Beautiful photos. Guys, support your local records, bookstores if you can. It's in your bookstores. And then, you know, if you can't find it there because it's sold out and it's selling out everywhere, then go online and get it. But make sure you get it. Books are important. Books are really super important. You know, and I want you guys to always remember things like when the internet goes down and Facebook goes down and IG goes down, books don't go anywhere. You know? And you also know to follow us at the Pantheon Podcast Network and you can find us there, over 70 other shows there. You know all of our stuff, where to find us because you're listening to us here. So thank you for that. You know our social media. We're on Facebook at I'ma Let You Finish, all one word. We're on Twitter at Finish Ima. We're on Instagram at I'ma Let You Finish NY. Miles is on all of the platforms. Get his book. Support our show. Remember that it's almost Christmas. Meelan Farmer. I'm going to make Miles translate all of Meelan Farmer's songs, and that's going to be his next book. And all of the pictures are going to be me dressed as her from the different eras. And that's how we're going to work it out. Indeed, indeed. (laughs) And on that note, kids, we'll see you on the next one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.